When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But we use CoffeeScript, not JavaScript, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 73 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hey everyone. All right. So what's going on? What's shaking? What's happening? What's the big buzz? You know, same old, same old. You know, I sold a bunch of stuff uh, in the past week. Remember yeah. that uh, that MacBook of my mom's that I was telling you about? Yeah. I was trying to decide whether to upgrade it or sell it as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, upgrade and sell or just sell. And I decided mm-hmm. to just sell. Um, it's so funny, you know, like, uh, you guys have... Kijiji is an American phenomenon as well, right? Like, that's eBay's auction site, or, you know, classified site. Uh, what's, what's up with the sell? I literally had never heard of Kijiji until I went to NS North. Really? I think it's, pu- I think it's purely I've never heard of it either. I don't know what you're Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, it's, it's like Craigslist, but yeah, I guess it's it's like Craigslist, but eBay owns it. I think. Do they? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I mean, they do. Mind you, I used to work for one of their competitors, so I think it's purely uh, a Canadian thing. Okay. Mm. Well, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very popular. Oh my God, is it popular? It's huge. Um, so anything that you want to sell for free, and it's like it's like Craigslist, except it has you know some approach to graphical interface, uh, unlike mm-hmm. Craigslist. Craigslist is, of course, used by many people in Canada as well, but uh, mm-hmm. Kijiji appears to be the dominant leader. So if you want your the thing that you're going to sell to be seen by the most people, it's the way to go. Anywho, so uh, I decided to sell my MacBook, or my mom's MacBook. She just gave it to me and said, just get rid of this. And I put it up for $150. If you remember last week, Tim, I was thinking maybe 100 bucks would be about what it's worth. So yeah. I just decided I was going to shoot the moon and put it up for 150 <laughs> Yeah. Um, I had about five or six people write to me within an hour of posting that thing. Yeah. And, That's uh, a good price for a Mac. Well, yeah. Yeah. And for a, a modern Mac, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 
when you get that much interest, you kind of get the idea that maybe I didn't sell it for too much. And uh, but it, it sure did disappear quick, and can't hate mm-hmm. that. Um, and I also sold a first generation iPad um, that disappeared for a hundred dollars. Wow. Hmm. Um, and what else? I had. Um, uh, suffice to say, Kijiji is a pretty amazing tool that uh, we totally take for granted. I still have an iPhone 5C, 5S rather, that I have to sell, and uh, uh, I've had some interest, but uh, nothing has fallen in place yet. So, so I took all that money that I made from selling stuff, and uh, along with my own uh, little stash of money, uh, and I purchased an iPad Mini 4 all over the weekend, and uh, so I, I had the opportunity to go to my local Apple store. It's not local at all. Um, <laughs> my nearest Apple store, because I don't live in Toronto. And uh, I had a chance to, uh, you know, walk in, pick up an iPad Mini, and walk out again in pretty short order. It was smooth as silk. It was so nice. But um, I had the chance to look at the iPad Pro, kind of, and spend time with one for the first time. And uh, so, Tim, what, what are you keeping from me, man? Why, why were you not, like, much more enthusiastic about this? About what? Selling stuff? Or no, about... no, no. About the iPad Pro. Oh, the iPad Pro? Yeah. I, I, like, isn't that I amazing? Mean... Haven't I, like, been well, going you on know, about you've it kind every of, single show for the last couple of months? I'll say that you bring it up. I, and I, I just, <laughs> I don't feel like you are as truly enthusiastic about this thing as I am now. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. and I say this, sorry, I sorry, hasten I, to add. What did, what did I miss? I was looking for some, some follow-up on what you were talking about with your equipment. Did, so you looked at the iPad Pro or you bought one? Looked at. Looked at, okay, okay. Yeah, because I was in the store, right? So yeah, I'm just standing there and waiting for them to pull my iPad Mini 4 out from the back. Yeah. So I had a chance to, you know, spend some time with this iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, man. I saw yours at the Apple TV Tech Talks and, mm-hmm. you know, appreciated that it was significantly larger than my imagination supplied. But yeah. I never had a chance to really manhandle it. And now I finally did. You got to manhandle the tech, Tim. It's, it's so, yeah. so key. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, with the chance to pick it up and, and heft it and hoist it around and, and kind of hold it just in one hand and there were no apple pencils on site at all zero really oh wow. there wasn't one to be found i couldn't even try an apple pencil there just oh. wasn't one there interesting because they had the, yeah they had at one, the one or two at the demo center, center yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um you know i'm at a satellite store it's much smaller so guess not but uh-huh. even so the size of the display is mind-blowing it really is mind-blowing yeah it's it's like i think somebody described it if you took a 13 inch um uh, air and rip the the screen off. Yeah, of course. Through the keyboard away. That's pretty much what the iPad Pro is. Yeah, well, you can do that exercise. And I, you know, I'm looking at my 12 inch Retina MacBook display, um, and I can make an attempt at picturing that being, you know, approximately the size of this iPad. But it doesn't do it justice until yeah. you actually see it literally sitting by itself with no base attached to it and then having the chance to uh, hold it in your hands and get a sense of what you can do with something like this it changes the game i think it totally changes the game well i mean and this is kind of what i've been saying that if i was given a choice between and i've always sort of been an ipad fan but like i've been trying to say is like i went to uh, an appointment downtown today and i looked at my 13 inch pro and i was actually going for a coding discussion and i looked at my 13 inch uh, macbook air which i work on every day and i looked at my ipad pro and i threw the ipad pro in the bag and walked out the door literally it is my first choice of computer these days yeah it's it's stunning i i do hasten to add that i don't see myself buying one of these things uh anytime soon uh and just because i just don't feel like i could get the work done that i need to get done with it right uh you know if i have i look at my mac and i have two of them now which seems kind of ludicrous but uh the primary thing i do with my computers is code I write code, and 
I s- continue to see my iPad, when, and now you know I've, I've played my hand. You can see what I'm interested in it for because it's the mini that I have, primarily as a as a consumption device, a reading device. You know, yeah. uh, my books that I read, uh, Twitter, email, do web browsing. Does, does the Mini Four do multi, multi? It does multitasking. Right? Yes, it does. The Mini Four okay. is is has the exact same feature set as the Air Two, so it can do all the, everything that that one can, pretty much anyway. So. Uh, it's great. It's really great, and it, it's so portable, so light, so easy to carry around. I really am a huge fan of it, and I'm delighted with my purchase. But mm-hmm. I think the iPad Pro represents a completely different thing. Like it's not the same thing at all. I would yeah. never use it for the things that I use my Mini for, right? So, like you can imagine, like a couple years in the future, and this is the thing. This is the drum we've been beating on for so long now. The iPad needs professional-level software. I think we did a good discussion of that last week with Tammy. Yeah. It needs better software, uh, and developers need to take a chance on the pricing troubles uh, that we're having right now in order to bring that sort of thing to market, right? But it wasn't until I actually laid my mitts on the iPad Pro that I got the religion, if you will, that uh, there there's no reason, none at all, that there shouldn't be or couldn't be much better software for this. Mm-hmm. And that remains the huge stumbling block. Well, it's interesting that, that uh, and we'll probably talk about CES a little bit as well today, but I've seen a lot of, I saw an iPad Pro in the wild a couple of weeks ago. At, at, I was walking through uh, one of our downtown stores at a past a food court, and there was a guy literally had the key, the, the iPad Pro keyboard, the, the, the keyboard case cover thing that Apple makes. The Apple Smart had, Keyboard. Yes. Yeah, and he had it sitting up there. And, and as I walked by, I kind of thought, oh, there's a guy with a Surface. And then I did a double take and went, no, that's an iPad Pro. And I saw another uh, image from another keyboard manufacturer on, uh, I think at CES, that has a a much better looking keyboard case for the uh, iPad Pro. And it looks more like it, I mean, I didn't see much of the of the the shot. The shot just showed sort of showed top down, looking at the keyboard. But it looked kind of like how you would, you know, how you you attach a, a surface onto the Microsoft keyboard at the hinge, if you will, right? Yeah. So it looked more like a laptop. You're talking about po- the bridge for iPad Pro. Yeah, yeah. It's a so, clamshell so, backlit keyboard case. Yeah, sort of thing. And it wasn't it wasn't the one that we've all seen already, which is the um, oh, what's the other one I've got? Uh, because of an L, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, Logitech. Logitech, yes, yeah, yeah. So I, there's a Logitech one that that was available on day one, pretty much. But now more and more are starting to come out. Yeah, I mean, we've Pro. seen this style of case for iPads, not the Pro, but for other iPads. Right, and um, I think and it's got a clamp. Yeah. Right. And Evan, Evan, our our favorite young uh, developer, Evan Deckheiser, has just written a um, a, a kit f- uh, called KB Kit, I think it is, for supporting navigating, uh, like that you can put into your apps that'll help you navigate through UI Kit using the keyboard. So you'll be able to like select table rows and navigate through table rows with up arrow and down arrow kind of actions as well to sort of make it more like a laptop, if you will, right? Oh, really? So, yeah, um, yeah. But that has to be included on a per-app basis, right? Yeah, he literally just published it today, I think. He was just working on the logo and stuff like that when I saw it earlier today. Literally? <laughs> literally? Literally? Like, literally. Like, literally? Like it's hot off the press. In I fact, think that you've was got a, a new word. <laughs> that was a, that was a, 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 um, a MTJC scoop, right? So. Oh, fantastico. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I I, I really um, like the look of this platform, and uh, you know, ready to repeat what I said before, unchanged. That Apple yeah. really needs to do something about this operating system for the iPad. Uh, they really need to improve it because right now um, it's really showing its uh, 
it's it's uh, inappropriateness for that size screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it seems it's it's like a novelty check. You know, you see a novelty check, <laughs> they hold it up, and like three people have to hold it up, and it's like you know, yeah. a check doesn't have to be this big. Um, by the same token, uh, an iPad screen, you know, this UI doesn't have to be this big. I guess uh, I'm looking for. Not, I'm I'm certain that Apple's working on it, right? They gotta be. You know, I think we're gonna have Watch OS, TV OS, iPhone OS, and iPad OS. I'm looking forward to that. I, I hope I'm not crazy. So that's 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 my thing on the iPad Pro, and uh, it's it's very exciting. Is there anything that anybody cares about regarding the iPad Mini Four? Uh, like questions and answers, you mean? Yeah, or? Sure, sure, yeah, anything like that. Um, what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? Well, I like that it's small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, is this your first? This is your first. Oh, I know you had a Mini before. I did. Yeah, I bought the original iPad Mini when it came out, and which was basically an iPad Two uh, yeah. in the smaller body. So same. Uh, low-res display and the same Mm -hmm. A5, I think, at the time, the processor. Mm -hmm. Um, It was never a terribly fast computer, uh, iPad. And uh, it was, however, incredibly light and portable, but uh, no retina display. And yeah, I, think, I still have mine, by the way, so don't speak too ill of it. Well, I, I won't. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like I said, super portable and great to read on. Um, the, you know, and that's, that's really what it came down to. When I got the iPad Air, uh, that was, like, I had the Mini until I got the Air. And um, I loved the Air because of the, the Retina display. It was my first Retina iPad. And because it was also light. Like, it was dramatically lighter than the iPad 4 before that, right? So you've got the, the 9.7-inch series of iPads iPad, iPad 2, iPad 3, iPad 4, and then the Air, right? And so when the Air came out, it was so thin and light that it sort of competed with the characteristics of the Mini such that I thought I could get away with it. So that's why Mm -hmm. I ended up with that model. Uh, But uh, in the meantime, when the iPad Mini 4 came out, it took all the features of the iPad Air 2, which, you know, included super fast processor. Like, that's the big thing with the these current generations of iPads is that they are dramatically faster than everything that came before it, right? Um, but it also has this incredibly thin and light profile. So, and um, I guess what happened is I kind of, you know, sat back and realized what it was I was using this iPad for. You know, despite all my hopes that the iPad would become sort of a, a productivity tool, a work device, if you will, uh, where I might do a lot of text entry, and so I was, you know, I spent a lot of money on keyboards over the years and kept trying to fit it into that way, but I had to come to realize that that's just not how I'm using it. I'm, I'm using it to read, basically. Uh, and I'll tap out the occasional tweet and email, but uh, very little in the way of productivity. So having the iPad mini uh, is sort of a recognition of, you know, what exactly I use an iPad for, and that's why I have it. It was almost a ridiculously easy decision um so you know and then of course at the same time the ipad pro is coming out and here's apple saying well look you know you still think the ipad's for productivity well here's the hardware to do that um but i know that the software is not ready for it uh the mini 4 though to me is the perfect ipad Okay. okay, and then well, I, I, as a mini fan myself, I can't disagree with you, right? Because uh, I think that that uh, I didn't buy the three because I was disappointed the three wasn't enough of an upgrade. It didn't have touch ID. Well, it did have a touch ID, right? There was something about it that was uh, under or the processors weren't up to speed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they weren't. But I'm pretty sure that the Air Two is the first iPad to get touch ID. Uh, yeah, maybe the first. That's you no. Know, you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because yeah, the that's true. Uh, yeah the iPad Air two came out and then the the next newest iPad is this Mini Four. 
Really? Okay. Yeah, because okay. remember Apple did not... Oh, wait a second. The, they, no, no, I think because I, I was waiting for an iPad mini to, oh, that had Touch ID because I was smitten with Touch ID once I had it on my uh, my iPhone 5S, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I didn't last yeah, year. Yeah, because there I, was a Retina Mini 2 or 3. Retina Mini yeah, 3. 3. Yeah, 3. And yeah. that's all they did was added the Touch ID. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't increase the processors and whatever. The motion right. chip was the same, so that that's why I, I didn't. I didn't think. It, and for the price, I didn't think it was a worthwhile investment. You know, so I went ahead and, and bought the iPad Air two. So I kind of leapfrogged you guys because I went from an iPad three to a mini to a what have you uh, iPad Air two, and now the iPad Pro, right? So. Right. Okay. But I, I, one thing that's interesting is I made a comment about the. The uh, one thing about the iPad Pro, you know how things get so big that they they become unmanageable. I have the silicon case from Apple, right? Which now has, after like a month, uh, it doesn't quite fit anymore because it's it's. I must have stretched the rubber somehow because um, it doesn't quite sit on the thing as nice and clean as it did when I first got it. So, yeah, yeah and I think that just has to do with the with the mass of it, right? You know, it's just so big. Really? Well, that's yeah. Yeah, you should, maybe you should take it back. <laughs> like, no, the <laughs> next what, time for what I paid for it, you're damn right. I should well, exactly. Take it back. <laughs> you shouldn't. I don't think that should happen. Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of like one of the it's like a dead pixel kind of argument, right? So, like, are they really going to care, right? It's, it's probably worth finding out. I mean, especially given the number of times you go into the Eaton Center store, uh, you know, and you've probably got the thing on you anyway. So why not pull it out and ask them? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't have a reason to go to the store anymore because yesterday I got the notification that my pencil is finally shipped. hey They managed to catch a phoenix and pluck its tail feather and make me an iPad uh-huh. pencil. So, uh-huh. yeah. Well, congratulations. But yeah, uh, so it arrives tomorrow, apparently. I don't know. I think you'll find a way. You'll find a way to get to the Eaton Center. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. When you do, you should ask them. You should drop that and like... I'm happy for your pencil, but not not about the case. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I've got plenty of like I, I was, as you were. I just noticed your link here about your case, and I, my my iPad Air two. I wanted to check and see what case I had for that. I still have the case in my hand. I had an Incipio case. Um, that's sort of a similar kind of rubbery uh, material, but uh, and never had a problem with that one fitting. But uh, yeah, right. it's, uh, hmm. I've always I've always gone towards leather cases. I prefer those, but. Uh, and I recently just bought a Targus 13-inch um, laptop bag that I use for my iPad Pro. So okay. So when I'm out and about, you know, I've got a shoulder bag. Got to accessorize. Yeah, I've got a fantastic bag that I'm just in love with. Um, it's an in-case bag, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of like a saddle bag uh, shape. Or, or sorry, not a saddle bag. A um, mess. Messenger, I'm not bag. messenger, messenger. But it's uh, it goes across your chest, the strap. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and it rides on your back. It's mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. like a Camelback, uh, but it's very small and it holds my 12 inch MacBook and my iPad, um, and it's got a nice storage pocket and it's really sharp looking. Uh, cool. I bought that a, several months ago and uh, have have really been enjoying it since. So uh, I should put a link in that. I will find that <laughs> and put that in the show notes for people who give a crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Incase.ca close for maintenance. What? <laughs> You just oh, they close must be, a website. Must be, they must be rolling out something for CES. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> yeah, we're a lot of lot of silence over there from the U.S. Maybe a bit of follow up. So, I think at some point we talked about some sort of app that does um, like a coloring book kind of thing. Yes, right? and I think it was in really so, relation to the Apple Pencil. And that's um, correct. I will have to say, so this is anecdotal data, which is the best kind of data, of course. Um, <laughs> but when I was traveling. I had to go visit family on the airplane. I did see, I think, three people over 
four flights total. Um, roughly, I don't know, early 20s to early 30s, so roughly around college age type people, just to give you a bit of flavor. And they did have coloring books. Um, I didn't. I didn't ask any of them, unfortunately. Like, hey, like, why do you do this, or one, so on and so <laughs> forth. But, but it is something that I had not seen on airplanes before. So, but it's it's a trend. It's trending these days. It's definitely definitely trendy. So, I mean, it might trendy. be the kind of thing that could be cashed in on in early 2016, right? Before things get flooded, you know, uh-huh. just go find some um, off the shelf. I'm sure there must be like you know, public domain or creative commons related stencils that you can get out there, slap them into an app, throw it up there, do it in app purchase model or something. Couldn't be that hard of an app to put together. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a really good one for the iPad pro. That's uh super popular. It's called pigment. Um, is this the one you're thinking of? Is that the one that's um, like a subscription model? You get like a year subscription. Sort I of do thing? not know. Uh, I didn't look too deeply into it, but I've saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. Um, I'll paste a link into the MacStories.net review of that that software, um, and so it's it's made specifically for the iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil, right? Oh. So, uh, grown ass people are taking their iPad Pros and uh, coloring in fine detail with this app. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be kind of soothing, right? It's something that people can do without really needing yeah. to engage all of your brain, just kind of zone out and kind of enjoy yourself. I think that's exactly it. I, I read an article about it where people are getting um, repetitive strain injuries in their <laughs> hands and arms from spending hours and hours coloring. Oh, really? Again, grown-ass men and women who do this. How come so, kids don't get RSIs? Uh, they're too young. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they huh. get it later. <laughs> if they continue the bad habits they develop as children. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hmm. I tell you, I'm having a heck of a time finding this uh, this bag from the InCase website. Shame on them. It was interesting. I didn't really believe it until I saw it myself. Huh. Well, these you aren't know, like, your kid coloring books, right? Um, no, they're yeah. they're kind of like that uh, that pigment app that you put. Uh, we'll have in the show notes that they're you know it's not like Mickey Mouse or or even Star Wars or something. It's kind of more geometric patterns, um, kind of more like a, you can imagine going to a restaurant and there's like a fresco in the background somewhere that has a sort of pattern on it to kind of put you at ease. My daughter got a couple of these for Christmas, and she's she's twelve, and uh, you know because they're so popular, you know this seems seems like something that kids might like. And turns out she does enjoy doing it. She'll she will sit there for twenty thirty minutes at a time with uh, her pencil crayons and oh. color in this book with this you know intricate detail nature scenes, um, sort of a similar level of detail as what you see in that in that app. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yep. Do you want to talk about CES? So I've got a link to some uh, a roundup that I found on, um, I guess, 9to5Mac on some of the products that have come out specifically for iPhone and iPad, Mac, and Apple Watch. But, I mean, let's just throw in there and open it up to anybody want to throw something out about CES and what's going on down there and what you've seen, what you've heard, well, what's cooking. What is cooking? What's Nothing. going on? <laughs> well, let's, let's do a follow-up then on this 5-in-1 hub, USB-C hub that... Um, I sent, I sent you a link today. Had you had you already bought it at that point, or no? I, I bought it. You told me about it, basically. So I okay. bought it. Yeah, uh, it, it checked all the boxes. So done and done. That's that's what I was looking for. The price was and right. For the people driving in cars, what were those boxes you wanted to check? All right, let's have a look. So this is the Hyper USB Type C five-in-one hub with pass-through charging. That's one box. So what this is is um, it's very similar to that Kickstarter we talked about. Uh, in the past, 
um, it was called Hub Plus, which was a failed Kickstarter that had a USB hub that plugs right into the side of your your MacBook 12 and provides uh, a pass-through port so that you can have it plugged in, but also a couple other USB ports so that you could actually, you know, do other stuff with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this also includes a couple of different sized SD ports. So if you've got a micro, micro SD card or a standard side SD card, uh, mm-hmm. you can plug these in too. So there's five things that you can jack in. So um, when, that, when that project failed, I was sort of looking around for anything else that might fit the bill, there, and there has been nothing until, until this one has come out. Uh, I've seen others uh, announced, but uh, this seems to be the best one. Um, it's made specifically for the MacBook, so it comes in the same three colors that the MacBook, MacBook comes in, um, and is made out of aluminum, and it's very small. It's not a desktop hub, so this mm-hmm. isn't uh, intended anyway as a way to sort of dock your computer at the desk, although it could. I mean, it's not saying you can't. But it's really meant to be taken with you, so it's as portable as your MacBook is. It'll slip into my bag without any problem at all. Uh, and if I ever have need of charging, plus having something plugged in, say an iOS device that I'm doing development with, uh, I can readily do it with this thing. So uh, that's what's got me excited about it. And when uh, Tim posted the link about it today, uh, it's it's on sale as it, at an introductory price. It's normally 70 US. Uh, they have it for 50. And there was a link from the 9to5Mac site that gave you a further $10 discount. So oh, when nice. you use the 9to5Mac yeah. as a, a coupon code, you get $10 off. So it brings the price down to uh, $40. And there is uh, $10 shipping. So <laughs> that got shipped to me, um, and uh, that paid for the shipping. So uh, it ended up costing me $50 US. And it'll be here when it gets here. I don't know when. So um, cool. I'll report back and let you know if it works okay. But, uh, you know, hopefully it does. Yeah, we've seen others that are sort of intended as, as docks, as desktop docks, which are, you know, much larger, uh, maybe have more in them, like mm-hmm. in the Ethernet, for example, which would be too much for this thing. Um, but that sort of thing, like we're not, we're not looking at something like that. I'm just looking for something to have in my bag along with my MacBook. So I'm curious, too, on the same link or page that I originally got this article from um, on the Roundup, the 2016 Roundup, yeah. Griffin also has a breakaway MagSafe-type adapter for USB-C. Is that a, do you think that's an issue for you guys? Or? An issue in what sense? Well, I mean, like, as my dog regularly knocks my, my power cord out oh, of the out right. of the. You know, my Mac, and when he's on the couch with me or whatever, he's, you know, clumsy and doesn't respect my Mac as much as I do. He is a dog. Yeah, so he kind of trips on the cable all the time, which is what the original... I remember when first they shipped this thing out, it's like, your dog's going to knock your laptop off the desk, and but the MagSafe will make it safe, right? Yeah. So, so uh, Griffin's got an adapter, I guess, that has sort of a, a breakaway kind of feature as well that you could add to the end of your presumably the end of your USB-C power cable, right? So Yeah, so it's a, it's a magnetic clip that plugs into the USB port, and it has a magnetic end that uh, pairs with their included uh, cable, which snaps in magnetically. So to me, I'm, I don't think that's kind of a big deal uh, because the MacBook, this MacBook was made specifically to be used untethered. Um, you know, oh, it, right. it is a Mac, and it has the same limitations of any other mo- notebook that Apple makes, um, so it does not have infinite battery life by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was sort of their thinking. They, they're trying to iPadify the MacBook, right? 
Yeah. Uh, because you know you don't you don't use your iPad while it's plugged in, right? By the right. same token, you don't use your MacBook while it's plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know people will roll, roll roll their eyes at that sort of thinking, um, but that's actually exactly what I do. I I don't I hardly ever use it while it's plugged in. Um, I keep a, a plug at my desk when I'm using my iMac or not computing at all. My MacBook is is plugged into that power. But if I ever want to use it, uh, I got to unplug it and walk away with it somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's how I work. And so something like this doesn't really mean much to me. By the way, the other product that I mentioned earlier, I just found the link. It was on the same page. It's from a company called Bridge with a Y. Bridge. Um, I told you that one. Oh, you told me about that one? Bridge? Yeah. Bridge. Okay. Just don't, don't listen to me, Tim. I feel like you just don't listen to me anymore. Uh, don't, Aaron. You just go on and on and on. Um, yeah, we've heard that any- from our <laughs> listeners, yes. <laughs> but... Uh, so you, this is the one I was talking about earlier. I just wanted to mention this to the show, folks or people listening to the show. But it's a backlit keyboard, which I think is kind of cool. But again, it sort of makes it makes your your iPad into a laptop type of affair, except for the fact that it runs on iOS. I mean, the things I I caught from the nine to five Mac stuff is one that I think I'd seen somewhere else from the CES notes that are coming out, like the um, plethora of things for the Apple Watch, primarily chargers. Hmm. Most interesting one to me, um, even though I don't think I would ever use it, is the uh, I think it's the Griffin one. That's like a little keychain sort of brick. Specific, Ooh, I think specifically watch. for the watch. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't personally have this problem of running out of charge with mine. I guess because I don't go on uh, you know sort of uh, exercise tours, which probably means I lead too much of a sedentary life. Um, <laughs> however, for people who actually are know relatively active and use their apple watch as a fitness tracker sort of thing um this could be for them i think most of the complaints i've heard about battery life have come from people who do use the uh, fitness tracking aspect yeah i I don't think my yeah exactly i think i turned that off and that may have been part of uh the the original watch uh os um i haven't really played around with the fitness stuff when because that was that was it was draining my my phone and my watch at the same time but uh when I was going out and about and using that feature. And I think other people complained about that too, right? But, um, yeah, I wonder, I have to go back. Because you're right, I, I very rarely have a problem with my battery on my watch. My phone, for sure. Like, I've noticed ever since the, the watch came out that the phone te- seems to run out of, out of juice. And, and we're talking about an iPhone 6 Plus as well, right? Which, when it first came out, was great on the battery. So I don't know if it's iOS 9 or... Something else that's uh, chewing through the battery on these devices. Yeah, I haven't noticed that. Like, my, my phone gets as much life as it ever has. Yeah? Yeah. Um, there might be something mm. wrong with your phone. Yeah, could be. Who knows? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't run out of, out of juice every day, I mean, but I do charge it every night kind of thing. Oh, right? you, so. you have to do that. Yeah. Like, I, typically when I'm putting my phone in my dock at night at bedtime, it's uh, 30 40 50%. Yeah. But rarely under. Right. Well, we started... Um, Speaking of the CES stuff, um, my wife's always going on about, you know, she wants to have the house automated and things like that. So we started buying some HomeKit devices for Christmas. Yikes. So we, so we bought some lights, and uh, so we have the little Philips Space Station now. They've come out with a, a lower model that doesn't have Wi-Fi built in, so I think you can just plug it in through Ethernet. Um, but yeah, we're getting into that kind of stuff. and Because uh, we have a lot of our, our you know light panels with dimmers and, and uh, timers and stuff like that to turn things on and off. Did you, see, um, did you see this uh, Siri-controlled wall outlets? 
Well, that's what I was looking at is yeah. some of these some of these other devices. Like one of the cool things about the Philips thing, we really literally only started playing with it last week. But um, uh, one of her complaints is she's out and about does costume work, and so she comes home late at night. And we have timers on our front porch, and very often she'll come home after the the lights have gone out, sort of thing. Um, but one of the cool features about HomeKit now is you can set your a timer on your on your. Uh, your phone so that when you when you come within proximity of the house certain lights will turn on you know similar to the so the, so that you have you know when you when you leave the house things will turn off and when you come back home things will turn back on um, which can be you know, convenient for people, especially females traveling at night, kind of thing. You know, and as, you know, as much as we got the lights to basically you know, the, the smart lights from Philips, so now we're thinking about the wall outlets and that kind of stuff as well, right? To replace some of our manual timers that we have now, right? Hmm. I always get concerned about these things because they're taking something that is a, a commodity-priced item, like a <laughs> wall outlet, and multiplying its price. You know. By dozens fold. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really, you know, have a hard time with this. I, I think that this stuff needs to come down in price. Uh, because to be truly effective, uh, smart outlets and smart lights have to be ubiquitous, right? You know, like, well, and, and I, I feel like they will. do. I in your house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I have a Nest thermostat. I've had it for over a couple of years now. Like, uh, you know, uh, got it before Google bought them. Mm. Um, you know, and now Honeywell's come out with one that works with HomeKit. So, the, I mean, the thing to do now that I'm going through, when I go through stores and look at this stuff is I look for HomeKit. Because obviously, as a developer, I want to basically, you know, write my own stuff, right? To yeah. manage my own house, as it were, right? As opposed to having to go to, but it's kind of cool. Like you can manage your lights from the cloud, so I can be sitting in San Francisco and turn the lights on at home and put them on disco mode. And now, can you use Siri to do that from your phone? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I would, th- I would think so. Yeah. yeah, I don't see why not. Do you really want to do that? <laughs> no, not not really, not really. But if I, but if I was a twelve year old grandson of mine, I probably would. Yeah, he thought he thought about that doing that the other day when we were at his house. He's like, hey, we could turn the lights on from here. He bought himself a Pebble watch for Christmas, right? So with his Christmas money, he went. He couldn't couldn't wait for the Apple watches to go on sale in April when you know we all go to watch 2.0, right? Uh huh. <laughs> so he bought himself the the, the bottom of the line Pebble watch, which I think is 129 or something like that. Sure. So, yeah. so he, but of course, it also has apps you can put to control the Philips lights, which is what he was playing with. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I I, I got to see a, a lot better than what I have to get me thinking about. HomeKit yeah. appliances. Because- well, uh, here's an example, and this has been the use case for us for years. We have a cottage up in up in north of Peterborough, right? And you know, we we have a composting toilet, so it's conceivable that we could go up in the middle of winter because we don't need we don't need plumbing, right? We bring our own water and that kind of stuff. But it would be really nice if on the way to the cottage we could say, "Hey, cottage, we're arriving in four hours." You know, turn on the turn on the heaters, get the place warmed up. You know, because it takes like a day for everything to get you know warmed up. Do you have internet up there? Uh, we don't, but that yeah. would be the next step. We'd obviously get some problem. sort of get sort of you know either di- we had dial up at one point, but uh, you know there is there is point uh, what do you call it uh, point uh, re- line of sight uh, internet up there and. Um, so you could conceivably have a, a device that would run there. Like some some of the composting toilets, all you have to do to to, you, to keep them going is is power one light bulb. The heat off one light bulb is enough to keep things from freezing, right? So, hmm. so theoretically, you know, you could drive into the cottage, and rather than getting up there and freezing for a day and a half, you could at least get the house warmed up before you get there. That's that's a case where you could say, you know, that's that's something that HomeKit would be useful for. That's a pretty rarefied use case. <laughs> Not if you All go right. every weekend. Uh, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, not yeah. if you go every weekend. Not if you have internet working reliably at a cottage. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the the, the lake Ho- that we're at. Home kit powered compost toilet. The the, the, the uh, it's coming. <laughs> the uh, you just gave twenty guys an idea. Yeah. But uh, the uh, welcome the, to it. It's yeah. It's not a shitty product as you think it is. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> but um, uh, there are people up at, up at our lake who live there year round. I mean, so there's no reason why you know these kind of services don't exist, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just my experience with cottage country is that it's uh, not a reliable place for internet at all. I don't know. I've, I've been using uh, 3G and Edge and LTE up at my cottage for about ten years now, so I love it. I go up uh, there and work. Yeah. I go up there and work all the time. Yeah, but you need to have it always on at your cottage, right? So you got to get DSL or cable. Um, yeah, they don't have, have that a, up there. They have no. point. They have line of sight. You know, put an antenna up on your roof and and uh, that kind of stuff. I've, I mean, clients of mine live out in Ancaster and they have the same same type of challenges as well, right? Ancaster I heard, I, is civilization, man. It's not cottage country. Yeah, but but still, there's no cable. There's no you know. It's still in the middle. Of, it's still r- relatively rural. I mean, I heard I read the other day that dial-up is gone, right? Well, I I know of clients who still use dial-up, you know, because that's all that's the best they can get out there, right? Yeah. All right, anyway, HomeKit. HomeKit, it's awesome. No, okay. <laughs> HomeKit, you got to talk faster to get me into it. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. What else is going on? What, what else is exciting and... Besides all the robots and stuff that you see at HomeKit and the, and the electric cars... In and the CES, yeah, the electric car stuff. You yeah. see the Chevy um, Bolt, the Bolt, Bolt yeah. mm-hmm. uh, is coming soon. Uh, that's, that seems interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know I'm not a car guy, and I, I hate to talk about cars, and because I'm not into them at all. But um, I am interested in the possibilities and the feasibilities of electric-powered vehicles. Uh, the Bolt seems like the very first entry that will feasibly bring electric cars to the masses. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the states, anyway, they're targeting a sub thirty thousand dollar price, and it has a two hundred mile range, which is about three hundred and fifty kilometers or so. Right. Wait, are you right. talking about the Volt, Chevy Volt? B-b-b-bolt. B different than the Volt. That's right. Yeah, the Volt has been out for a couple years, but the the Bolt, the Bolt is their new entry, and it's a it's a four door uh, sedan, small, but uh, has a two hundred mile range and will cost under thirty thousand dollars after the 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 tax incentives. So uh, that's an American price, though, right? That's an American price. I don't know what it's going to be like eighty thousand in Canada, but yeah, um, Ars Technica did a really nice uh, video introduction to that model, um, and it's launching in 2016, so it's going to be out anytime now. Um, so I, th- I thought that was really cool. Uh, here, I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, in the document, and then you can put in the show notes, s'il vous plaît. For the people driving in their cars? And yeah, they can, they can pull over in their cars and then uh, have a look. So let's put this right here. I'll just leave this right here. So check it out. Yeah, so that sort of thing was exciting. But there was another company called Faraday Future, uh, which people thought was an Apple shell corporation, uh, the, the people making the Apple car, Project Titan. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it turns out they're not. They are mm. uh, funded by a Chinese video streaming service, and they are making a big push into the U.S. market with electric cars. And they, they showed off a concept car, which has no bearing on reality at all. So I don't know what the hell they were doing, but everybody was so excited about it that they went on for a whole day on this uh, Faraday Futures car. Uh, so it's apparently a platform on which they can flexibly build any kind of model car. So um, 
that was weird. It was just weird. Okay. That's all. But I think you can say that about most things at CES. They're weird. You kind of scratch your head and move on. Um, you know, at CES, right? Yeah. Could could you repeat what the Chinese company does? Because I, I may have misheard you. Uh, I said they are a video streaming service. They are like That's a what Chinese I you said. Netflix. Yeah. So is, is this like a long-term play for automated cars? Like, hey, why don't you watch Chinese Netflix on the way to work? <laughs> yeah, I have no Buy idea. Buy some Oreos. I, I'm guessing it's a, it's a diversification strategy uh, to leverage their their huge revenues in China with uh, a different industry. Yeah, I saw them on Discovery uh, Discovery TV just a little while ago. It's Faraday, you said, right? Faraday Future. As we all try and remember how to spell Faraday. One R. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, it's I'll called Le it TV. Le TV, L-E-T-V. And it's actually not the company itself that's invested in this. It's the owner, the uh, billionaire. Oh, I see. Right. He cashed in $1.2 billion of his own shares mm-hmm. um, in his own company. Uh, and then, you know, how relevant is it? Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> um, you can see that there's, there's a certain concentration of effort happening around automobiles, right? That uh, companies that were not had nothing to do with cars, are now getting into them. Uh, and, you know, as, as part of our own mandate is more than just code, but as uh, inside the Apple ecosystem, uh, we're going to be starting to talk more about cars as, as, as Project Titan comes closer to fruition. Yes, and uh, Jaime's just yeah, pasted a link in the show notes here. For cars? Uh, yeah, well, sure. I mean, like, we've got CarPlay today, right? And so you can write a CarPlay app. So why wouldn't CarPlay be the centerpiece of an Apple car? You know, or, you know, it's at least feasible. Yeah, it was one of the things on the uh, 9 to 5 article was uh, Ford, I think, or somebody's come up with a CarPlay. Well, yeah, Ford is is, uh, is on board with it, and Pioneer now has a third-party uh, CarPlay. Yeah, they just updated them. They, they had, they've been shipping them for about a year now. Uh, but, like, it uh, seems like most car makers are jumping on board to CarPlay now, ex- with the notable exception of Toyota, uh, who just announced that they will not be using CarPlay. Uh, <laughs> really? Thereby ensuring that I will never buy another Corolla. <laughs> hmm. um, but uh, it seems most other companies are, like uh, Volkswagen, for example, uh, much maligned and troubled these days. Uh, nonetheless, uh, most of their new models in 2016 offer CarPlay support. And JBL's got a, something for CarPlay as well. I'm not a big fan of aftermarket um, car audio stereo video really components. or the idea of them you know like you you spend quite a bit of money like it's a 600 dollars thing uh and then you have to get it installed and it's kind of janky putting it uh-huh. into your existing console you know you should really get someone professional to do it but, but by the same token though you can if you buy the one from the car dealer you're going to spend three times that yes but it'll be beautifully integrated into this the car right i think it uh, it just looks better and then, of course, you know, you put a, a third-party component into your car, and it becomes a huge magnet for thieves. As I have discovered in my checkered past, I used to live in an apartment building in Scarborough. Oh, I thought and you were a car thief in the past. No, I, I, I've had my car broken into uh, about half a dozen times oh, yeah, yeah. in the space of a few months living in this one apartment building in Toronto. Sure, yeah. Uh, back in 2000. So uh, you, you see a, a third-party stereo in your car, and you might as well rip it out and hand it to the first ruffian to walk by. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. what, what, how, how unlikely is it that uh, the same thing won't happen with a CarPlay stereo? Well, yeah. I'm, I could say a lot, a lot of things about car thefts. I mean, we've had gar- bags of garbage stolen from our car. <laughs> 
just like I just shake my shake my. We just don't, we can't keep anything in our cars. Can't in, keep anything in, in your cars. That's right. In the cities, but you yeah. Know, I, I think a friend of mine was telling me about his car in New York, and he basically had put a sign in the window saying "Doors are unlocked. There's no money, and there's no radio." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's one of the big things. Like I had a car um, that had a I, I installed a third party stereo in my car, and yeah. of course it got stolen. Um, and so one of the you know great things is that I. I when I bought my next car, I made sure factory model stereo. I do not want to upgrade it. I don't want to change it out because it's just going to get stolen. And did it get stolen? Never. No, like a, a factory model car <laughs> stereo is not going to get stolen. Nobody wants those. Right, right, right. Anyway, that's that's a uh... way more than just code, Tim. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on from CES then, since you're about to fall asleep. So, Jaime. Um... You put some things on here, Stackshare, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's the beginning of the year, and people are doing all sorts of things like, oh, what should I get into tech-wise? Or maybe you're starting at a new place, and you're like, oh, I kind of wonder what everybody's up to. If you wanted to know, hey, what does um, Slack itself use, right? So if you, if you search for Slack, you can see that there's both an entry for Slack the tool, Right, you can see what companies are using that. We can also see, like, well, what sort of tools does Slack itself use underneath the covers? And so it's kind of nice and interesting to compare what people are doing. Weird. I'm trying to make sense of this, Jaime. I'm look. I just searched for Slack, and I see. Yeah. So so look at Stacks, Slack. right? And you can see that they're using uh, Stacks. Okay, here we are. Interesting, kind of interesting that they're using PHP and uh, Apache HTTP server. Um, you know, Android and iOS, as you would kind of expect. Then their back end, they're using Amazon CloudFront, which tells me what they're doing for their CDN. They're using SendGrid for transactional email, as opposed to like MailChimp or um, it's like Baboon or something. I forget what the what the. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not following this because I I picked sl- Stacks after the Slack search result, and I see things that are everything other than what you're talking about. I see Prudio. Oh, these are people who are using Slack, I think. Oh, are these other companies? No, because I see, like, how Soylent ships a trillion calories per month. It's like an article. Like, what are stacks? Let me see here. I'm confused, Tom. I think it's a collection of what tools these other companies use. So you can... So if if you put put in Slack, then you're going to find companies that Ah, have said that they use Slack. I see it now. Yes, I, I, I had to drill down into Slack itself. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow, PHP and... Why would anyone do this? Uh, what's the motivation for putting your tool set out in the open? Like, if you're a Slack, why would you share this information? Yeah. So I think the one aspect that comes immediately to mind is um, a little bit of self-promotion, particularly for recruiting. It's like, hey, you know, look, we're using a sexy new, like Docker, let's say, right? Like mm-hmm. That's why Docker is right there in the front, because Docker's the hot new thing. Uh, it's something that we even mentioned that you know some lucky gentleman or gentle lady over at IBM got a chance to play around with with Swift, right? So I think it's a it's not real obvious to me how these people would make money and ultimately how they'll stay in business. But at least for the time being, if you did want to see what does Netflix use, what does Slack use, uh, what does Heroku itself happen to use, and compare, it's like man, like. My job sucks. I'm reusing all this old busted technology. Why would I want to do that? Right? Like, I, I, I guess that's what it's going <laughs> because at. Because it right? works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's that, right? Yeah. Um, but we're already seeing, um, or at least I've been seeing, like, uh, what do you call them? Twitter polls. You know, some of the people I follow, like, oh, like, you know, would you 
would you join a job if it wasn't Swift only? I'm like, well, it seems like it's jumping the gun a little bit, but you can see how people are already feeling that way, right? Like, um, right, wrong, or indifferent around Objective C, there are clearly a whole class of people who just don't want to use it anymore. So coming back to, to mm-hmm. StackShare, I think that's kind of what people could ultimately use this for. Is like, what does our, how does our company compare to others? Sort of thing, right? So I think if if you own a company and you hypothetically wanted to get people involved, you're like, oh man, like my current job sucks. The only cool thing that we do is we do Docker. But hey, look, there's this other company that does Docker. I'm going to jump over to theirs. Probably it. Hmm. I think it's kind of more interesting to me, just kind of like peek under the hood and see what people are doing. Yeah, it's definitely a more of a curiosity thing. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to get ideas from what other people are using, but it's it, it sort of reminds me of that that app that you can get on your phone to sh- to publish your home page kind of thing, right? Isn't that well, what it's called? S- you share your home screen, yeah. So you so, can uh, so, show what so, apps you got. Yes, exactly. Sort I of know things. exactly what you mean. But I mean, like you know, and admittedly, if I was going to go for a job and I was and they told me I'm going to be working on a Windows machine and they're going to give me my very own you know IBM ThinkPad to work on, I would run to the hills, you know. Uh, or, in the same sense, you know, like I think I've, I've talked to a few people in, in recently about you know joining their organizations, and you know they don't use uh, Slack, for instance. They use the other thing. What's that? HipChat, I think, is the other one. Like you know, that could be like, why would that really matter? What tool people are using in house? Like I don't know. Because it's it's all about finding a job. Uh, like if you look at this in the bottom, they're saying. Show your company's entire software stack to engineers. Yeah. Um, the points are attract developers by explaining what you use and why. Oh, okay. Yeah, Easily yeah. reference your stack by sharing it on job hiring sites. Well, so, that makes that makes sense now because like I noticed on iOS leads uh, that I've been looking at the last couple of weeks or last couple of months, um, they're listing off the techno- some of the technology stacks that that are people or people are using in their in their leads, which I I thought was a little odd to be honest with you. To borrow a phrase from Mark, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of wondered why that would be there, but uh, seems like these th- seem like technological crutches as, to a certain extent. Yeah, it does. There's you know, like with technology, there's always a sort of um, popularity contest in terms of mm-hmm. you know, what's what's in vogue right now, what's in style. You know, like like how Swift is in and Objective C is out. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know the, the, the fact of the matter is that we're going to be having to write Objective C for many years yeah. to come, right? Um, yep. the, the styles and the fashions uh, don't necessarily reflect reality, but a site like Stackshare is going to perpetuate those those fashions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by showing what the cool kids are using. And well, we we all got to be the cool kids, right? But then again, there are some things that are just genuinely better. Like Docker is a genuinely uh, amazing technology, you know, for mm-hmm. DevOps, right? Right, right. Um, maybe not so much for developers because can't even figure out what the hell it is or how it works. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it in only the most you know nebulous way. Uh, suffice to say that it's a. I know it's a big deal. I just uh, nuts and bolts have a really hard time figuring out how to use it. But I know it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other things, you know, like I think Slack is maybe a bit overrated. Um, I like hmm. it and all, but I, I can set it up against HipChat and see that it's it's pretty darn similar, right? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, both of them kind of have the same def- deficits, too. You know, none of them support a native client. I think that's a huge deal that they just continue to ignore. But, you know, that's my uh, problem with them. <laughs> it's not everybody else's. Parting comments on this? Uh, no, not really. Although, I guess if you do own a company, it's probably in your best interest to... Um uh, manage the PR here because I, I, I'm under the impression that companies um, 
are kind of on here, whether they want to be or not. So yeah, they're like, like the a slack job listing site, is... They can scrape, they'll, they'll put yeah. it on here. Oh, yep. oh, really? You don't think people have voluntarily put the stuff up there, per se? Not everybody. That, yeah, it's, I did clear. a search on a couple of companies, and, and uh, they were unclaimed. Uh, this was this was a, commu- a community uh, sourced. Yeah, site. yeah, yeah. That old chestnut. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can claim this company if you like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that's that's the trouble with the the world out there. Nobody, everybody's yeah. looking under the hood. It's funny. I, I look at a lot of resumes these days uh, of candidates, and, and one thing I see is that it seems to be the thing to just fill a resume with, with buzzwords of different packages and tools and this and that and not that you've used. Yeah. And, and I see people you know who are at a company for three months or whatever and, and used 30 different tools while they were at the company for three months. And of course, there's no way they really used all those things. Mm-hmm. So, so I wonder if this is just part of the trend of, uh, you know, automated, uh, uh, resume searching for, for, for keywords, which is mm-hmm. very common these days, right? Recruiters do this all the time. They just kind of search LinkedIn or whatever for keywords, try to narrow in on candidates. So of course, candidates in response have started putting everything but the kitchen sink onto their resume. Yeah. Uh, just in hope of getting, you know, getting a, a hit. So I wonder if this is just part of this trend of, of you know, it's a, a consensus that more is better uh, in terms of words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keywords. Baffle them with BS is the old terminology. Yeah. It is a weird cat and mouse game. I, I think the one quick thing I would say, Mark, is I totally am in agreement with that and that um, I've definitely seen people turn down candidates I was like, oh, well, you know, we use Python and Django, but this is a Ruby on Rails developer. I'm like, yeah, they've been doing it for 10 years. Like, come on, man. It's it's web development. It's not right. all that different between these two platforms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we use CoffeeScript, not JavaScript, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Another link that Jaime put up here is the app, app TV apps site is that what is that a, a collection of well what do you as it says on the tin the best apple tv apps curated by rob lewis okay honestly don't know who rob lewis is apparently developer at uh, rad web according to uh twitter i'm gonna guess um, he's in the uk yes that is correct hmm. in portsmouth uk uh in any case um we've talked about I don't actually know if I've been on the show when this happened, but at least you guys talked about the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily super easy to find apps on the Apple TV. You know, there was, yeah, yeah, we I think it's been that. an evolving <laughs> experience, right, for the App Store on there. Um, so these sorts of things crop up, right? Like, here's one individual's view of, like, hey, here's some really cool apps, like, um, uh, what is it called? Oh, my gosh. I can't even find Oh, there we go. Sketch Party TV seems like it's real hot. Like, a lot of people seem to like that app. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. <laughs> seems like a real fun uh, party game kind of thing that you can do. Or, um, let's say, a lot of these are kind of channel-related, like BBC iPlayer or Channel 4 News. Plane Finder, I think, would actually be pretty cool. Um, you know, checking to see when people are coming in and out sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm without having to switch on an app or something um, and then totally change what I'm doing. Just uh, let's flick over to this other app on my Apple TV and see what's going on. Get some context. It's broken. Has anyone looked at this panel app? It's on the panel. list. It's a analytics panel. for Apple TV. So it looks like it's a display that shows oh, hi. There you are. analytics from apps, I guess. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it on my Mac and I have my Apple TV on, so I can't actually look at the 
at the uh, description. Use what you already know, which includes mixed panel, Google Sheets, Google Analytics, yeah. Stripe, Shopify. Simply beautiful way to display analytics on your Apple TV. Yeah, a lot of companies like to put a, a big display on the wall that shows analytics of what their site is doing, what their app is doing. It looks yeah, like this well, could do that kind of thing. Well, it's interesting. I think I'm not sure if it was Jaime or, or Greg maybe was talking about the fact, or maybe Aaron, or the fact that you could have like an Apple TV, you know, in your in your uh, mezzanine as people are waiting for things to happen. You know, my hairdresser has an Apple TV and they you know play stuff on there all the time. But and I've gone to places where they had like an HD TV displaying commercials that they had done in the past. So this could be a similar kind of idea, right? Ah. Oh, look at that. Magpie. Magpie shows up on the list. No way. It's in the Get second the column. I had to hit the next page. Oh, in the next page? There's yeah. another page. There's oh, like my page. God. There's more. There's like a page. There's like a little it's, page it's, down here. It's, it's not a like, continuous Oh, my God. Screen. It's Magpie. It's just like oh, the other app store. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Check this out. All of a sudden, this site's got legitimacy, eh, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, this site is the real deal, kids. Pick of the week. On November 12th. <laughs> what, is what a it great site. <laughs> it, it just pulls stuff from the iTunes, or the iTunes uh, listing. I can't find um, Magpie. I'm so disappointed. Oh, I don't see it either. Yeah, I'm not you sure if these the are site? shown in the same exact order. Um, might be just the width of the window that I have right now that makes it actually show up but from november 12th 2015 yeah i got three wide how many wide have you got three three wide wide. i'm just going down the center column i'm surprised you know what uh i'm there's little of that i'm seeing here are games Uh, jetpack joyride beach beach buggy racing i would have expected it to be like nine to one games to other and uh it's significantly less than that yeah i think that probably says something about the curator himself right absolutely yeah so I made it all the way to the bottom, and I still don't see Magpie. Well, what do you think of that? You what could also it? search for it. So there's a little hamburger menu in the upper left-hand corner, which I think this is probably like a Tumblr site or something, I would yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. just search for Magpie. Yeah. Well, where's the surprise? Until- oh, there. That's why, that's why oh, there I, I didn't recognize it, because it was not purple. Not purple. Yeah, it's not purple. Okay. Anyway, cool site. And I guess, uh, you know, it would be best if there were an oh, RSS can I, I can hard it, too. Look at that. I just harded it. Oh, maybe not. Way to hard it. <laughs> it. Oh, it's Tumblr. Okay. Oh, I see. I have to be logged into Tumblr to use this, I guess. Yeah, so in any case, people can go check that out. You know, if you have an Apple TV, see if you find anything in there you like. See if you get any ideas for apps you yourself could create. Thought I'd throw it out there. Cool. So this is a Tumblr site, so it's basically running on Tumblr's technology. Because when I click on the heart, it wants me to, uh, to log, in. log in to Tumblr. Yes. Oh, I didn't have to oh, click on the heart. I didn't. And there's no apparent RSS feed, I guess, which is unfortunate, too. Because it would be nice to have an RSS feed of, of this thing. You know what I mean? RSS, man. I hear you, man. That's... Well, where is it? I mean, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I type in rss.xml. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that actually worked. <laughs> I'm going to add this to my... Uh, Your RSS feed? My RSS feed. You're darn tootin'. Yeah, hey there, NetNewsWire. What's up? Yeah, I'm totally adding that to my feed. Now, that actually worked. Oh, is that what you use for your uh, RSS feed, NetNewsWire? Yeah. Oh, okay, because yeah. I'm using RSS bot or something like that. Yeah, when uh, when Black Pixel came out with our uh, NetNewsWire, I switched over. I was using um, Reader as a client uh, mm-hmm. with the feed... Oh, poo. Underscore David Smith's uh, RSS hosting service, mm-hmm. whose name eludes me right now, unfortunately. So uh, I was using that, which is a, an annual 
subscription that you buy uh, to belong to that service, and I just uh, ended my subscription because NetNewsWire is available on all platforms and includes a cloud syncing service. So I've got track all my feeds in there. So uh, not perfect, but uh, very strong app. And that runs and, as an app, actual app that you it launches yeah. up. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm, it's I'm on, using the what is it RSS bot or whatever. Yeah. NetNewsWire is on Mac and iOS. All right, Aaron, are Feed you Wrangler. talking about Feed yes. Wrangler? Yeah, Thank there you. we go. That's it. Yeah. Join for $19 a year. That's what I was doing. I was I was paying that $20 a year in order to have that sync. And then, of course, it works with uh, a large variety of RSS clients. Um, let's, do, let's do our picks now. What do you say? Are we there? Are, we, we are there. We're there. Off here? Wait, hang on. Um, you don't want to talk about the Twitter point release? No? You were just happy to oh. have one, right? I, I, I didn't even know about it because, as you know, I'm not a Twitter or Mac user. Oh, this is FU for Aaron. Who it's put basically that on there? just FU. So it's got various bug fixes. Did, Garen, did Gar, Greg put this on or something? Or? Must have. Uh, sneaky guy. Looks like they've added a bunch of features. It's quite a, quite a, a selection of content here in the What's New for 401. Mm-hmm. Like they added inline video playback, GIF support, group direct message. No, no, no. This is... I assume that was from the previous was, update. Yeah, and the only thing yeah. that's new is the various, various bug, bug fixes. fixes. Right. Quite right. Uh, okay, so... We, we are not yet in a position to judge. Well, as developers, we all know what various bug fixes means, right? Well, no, actually. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what what does that mean, Because you Tim? don't want to admit what you did wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. We fixed the thing where we yeah, were coding we're like idiots. About, yes. Quite, don't quite. Don't, we are don't, we're don't perfect, tell them. but, you know. Yeah. Don't tell them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's I don't, the, I don't it's, think that's necessarily true. I, I, I'm I kidding. think it also means... There were so many little stupid little things that they're not even worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the bug my mom found, so I had to fix it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has any picks this week, and we'll stop at Aaron and see if you have a pick. I do, and uh, this one is a follow-on to my little rant about the iPad Mini Four. Uh, it is uh, a case, and it's called the Como iPad Mini Four case. It is. Actually, um, it, it's the equivalent of going to Apple and buying a smart cover and and what they, whatever they call the back case. Because one of the big changes Apple made with the iPad Mini 4 in their case uh, selection mm-hmm. is instead of offering a single smart case that like is one unit that you put the iPad in and it has a back and a front, mm-hmm. they now sell two separate things, mm-hmm. the cover and the back. And you can buy them individually. Uh, yeah. Why? Because they want to make more money. Well, and this is what I was talking about earlier with my iPad Pro is that they have the same same deal here, right? The iPad Pro, uh, yeah, that has a back cover case, and uh, I was a little put off by the pricing of the complete solution for the iPad Mini. I wanted a, I wanted back and front coverage, and I didn't want to spend eighty to ninety dollars doing it. And so I I browsed around the web looking for reviews of um, alternative cases, and came across this one. Links in the show notes, and uh, it's twenty bucks all in, like after shipping. And this is Canadian dollars, by the way, so it's probably even less. And uh, sorry, how do they say it? U- U.S. of A. U.S. of A. So uh, be even less there. And uh, it got good reviews. Uh, I like the look of it. They have a, a very large selection of colors. I chose orange uh, as the cover with a black back, and it looks super sharp. And it was here in like three days. Um, and it works great. It actually fits really well. 
It's got, it feels like the same kind of build quality as an Apple case. I couldn't be more pleased with it. So the only thing, the only thing is I've got a charging dock that this thing doesn't fit into anymore. And uh, that's, uh. that was disappointing. But uh, it's got a really nice back feel to it. It's, it's a matte finish on the back, but it's sort of like um, a soft touch kind of thing. I don't know how to describe this. I'm rubbing it now. Do you hear that? Um, I, can't, I can't describe what this is, but it's got a really nice feel to it. It does pick up a little bit of uh, grease from my fingers. You know, like that photo you just put in there, Tim. Yeah. Um, where you can kind of see that uh, you've got... Man, you're very careless, man. You're just so careless. Um, it's, pro- it's probably dog slobber is what it is. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you touch it and, you know, it gets a little... My point of my picture is you can see how it doesn't fit on the K- on the iPad anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do see that. But this this thing is, is really sharp. Uh, it's got really nice finish, good build quality, fits like a glove, and... Um, Works exactly as advertised. The uh, the smart cover itself, um, which of course is magnetized so that it turns the thing on and off, um, it is exactly like the like the polyvinyl covers that uh, that yeah. you used to get on the iPad. So mm-hmm. um, it's almost indistinguishable. Uh, so overall, uh, top pick. I'm a big fan, uh, and the price was sure right. Um, so little risk and uh, big reward. So if you're looking for an iPad Mini 4 case, they make the same case for the iPad other iPad Minis. Um, and that's available at the same link on Amazon. This is a .ca link, so um, our American friends will have to switch to the .com. American, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah do you I, notice the uh, sound boost? Which is like, oh, yeah. Thing. It says, boost three decibels in volume, improves acoustic, prevents dust from coming in. Yeah, it's funny. Like I just noticed that in the, in the case itself, I, uh, you have to look very closely to see it uh, because it's built right into the, um, the edge of the case. You know, uh, it's hollowed out around where the speakers are, so it pushes the sound towards you if you're facing the iPad, um, as you would with your hand if you were trying to cup the uh, speaker to yeah. angle mm-hmm. it towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what this is doing. I don't, I, I can't speak to its effectiveness at this point. Yeah, I have, a, I have the Incipio case, which for my iPad, which I had for the Air, in a similar case where it's got a, it's a hardback, but it ended with a rub, like a rubber neoprene edge. And then it's the inter- with the integrated uh, lid with the magnets in it, turn it on and off when you when you close it. Similar idea. But anyway, the picture I just posted up there for you guys to look at was was how badly my um, I'm going to say ninety nine dollar, maybe even more than that. Um, okay, I just use a uh, a Finti ten dollar faux leather <laughs> folio. It actually works great. I'm not kidding. It's for uh, iPad, Mark. For my for my iPad Air two. Yep. Do you have a link? Uh, or, or spell it out for me so that... F-I-N-I-T-I-E. Uh, oh, no, sorry. F-I-N-T-I-E from the embossed... I got an Amazon link. It's soft shell. Not, smart not shell. soft shell. I, I've got the faux leather one. Ten bucks, eh? Ten bucks. It's great. Yeah, yeah I have... I mean, it's, have a... it's thick. You know, it's, it, it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't let you appreciate the real thinness of the iPad Air 2, you know, but it's because it's more like... You know, one of those. Remember, in the old days, people used to carry around these these cases where you'd write stuff on pages in it. You know, yeah, it's a folio. Yeah, yeah. It kind of has the feel of that, but it's pretty solid, and uh, and it has the it it has the magnetic thing, so it you know it opens when it when you open it and turns off when it. Yeah, it's got 
got all the right holes for all the cameras and sure. chargers and whatnot. Well, did they, did they make? I wonder if they make one for the iPad Pro. The reason I bought the iPad yeah. Pro one was because once you get the iPad Pro in your hand and it's so big and it's so shiny, you don't want it to get wrecked. So, you know, at the time I bought it, you know, it just made sense to buy the case from right. I mean, the only one available at the time was was in the Apple Store, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at their website now. I but you're right. I, I do prefer the leather. Paper. I prefer the leather, leather cases myself. You know, even go back to my old Newton days, right? So. Yep. And the and the thing about this is the leather has a nice patina after a while as it wears. You know. Yeah. Which I really like. Well, you won't get a real leather one for ten bucks, but get the faux leather. Oh, is that what yours is? Faux leather. Faux leather. Well, it's probably, it's probably like a microfiber type thing, which is what the inside of the smart cover is anyway. That's what cleans up the grime and grease and stuff like that. Is the is the yeah mic- on the inside? It's got a nice soft. Like microfiber, uh, yeah. Cloth microfiber thing, yeah. Made it a pop bottles. That's almost like Mark has a pick. Yeah, oh this is God. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So we're starting uh, the new year right, but Mark has a pick this year. Yeah. Well, on their own website, it, it's now listed as twenty three ninety nine, but I bought it from Amazon for I think it was nine ninety nine or something around that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So maybe you know, shop around. Where you buy it? Yep. Well, my wife bought. But we bought there my wife is. a really expensive leather one back in the old iPad two days, and uh, it was made in Italy, and it was like really, it was almost like handcrafted. But all the glue came undone after a certain period of time, and oh, really? it just fell apart. So we should have spent ten bucks instead of what we spent on it. Yep. Um, Hamed, do you have a pick? I do. It's a blog post by. I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm going to do my best. Christoph Zavlocki. Oh, yes. So oh, I guess yeah. that's pronounced. There are vowels that are missing in this name, so I apologize because I'm not sure how to read that. America. In any case, <laughs> it's called Little Things That Can Make Your Life Easier in 2016. So uh, it's a collection of like tips or actually a vast majority of this is plugins for um, Alcatraz on Xcode. Mm. Uh, but I think the user breakpoints is one that I like think a lot of people don't use often enough, and it's super easy to to do. And, and the example they give that's certainly annoyed me anytime I've had to use anybody else's laptop for, to do some debugging is yeah. um, just importing UI Kit so that you can just print what you know some object happens to be without being told. Oh, hey, you can't find an object of type ID. It's like, well, it's not ID. Come on, man. Come on, just do that automatically for me, Xcode. Um, some of these are more interesting, like. Um, like logging all methods called an Objective C, uh, switching over to the plugins area. I think one that looks real interesting to me is um, uh, VV Documenter, and maybe it just tickles me fancy because uh, I used to do SDK work, and so it was kind of monotonous having to. Oh, okay, I, I have to do this header piece to, ah, cool. to have all this information. And VV Documenter is the plugin I'm talking about that will use. Um, the context from in this example, they have a, a very long Objective C method that has you know several um, several parameters, and it says, "Oh, okay, you know, here's a description. It's here's the parameters, parameter. Here's what it returns, and you can just kind of have autocomplete type stuff. Just you know, bang out the information you need for uh, writing your docs." Does it read like the parameters as properties, or is that just sort of a template boilerplate thing that's put in there? I was under the impression that it reads the actual parameters themselves. It does. Yeah, it clearly does. Using this example, you can yeah. see that. Cool. Yeah, so that, that one was pretty neat. I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, like, huge amounts of documentation, but since in that prior job I was doing SDK work, and the whole point was for developers to know what we were doing, Yeah. because uh, they, all they would get is the headers. They wouldn't see the, the source code itself. 
Um, that sort of thing would have been super helpful. Huh. Yeah, and there's more stuff on here, um, including one that caught my attention, but I did not have enough time to uh, poke around with, and that's KZ Playground, which apparently is Swift Playgrounds, but supporting both Objective-C and Swift code. Oh, cool. Yeah, that might be a future pick of the week if I get a chance to play around with this. Mm-hmm, it looks mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Who codes in Objective-C anymore anyway, though? Who cares? Right. Besides me? <laughs> yes, besides you. Me. <laughs> and Jaime. And Mark. And, oh. oh. <clears throat> you know, I did, uh, I did some Objective-C coding this uh, week, you know, just a little bit because wow. uh, I was supporting an old client. And it's the first time I had written Objective-C in about two months. Mm-hmm. Boy, did I notice. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. It's as Greg and I were comparing comparing notes on an app that he was had a hand in building in Swift for the the RW boys, and I was trying to figure something out, and I was stuck. So he sent me the the code, and we had a look at it, and so he was talking to me in Swift, and I was responding back to him in Objective C, and we were able to have a conversation, believe it or not, <laughs> and we actually did solve the problem. So there you go. Um, but I was going to say about this user breakpoint thing. It's one of the things I use in the training of uh, the students, especially with like uh, things like um, what do you call it? Uh, view. What do you call it? View hierarchy, right? Uh, you know what? You know when the, the how the views render, like when view did load and when view will appear, things like that get called. You can actually go in and put in under action. You can put you know uh, log a comment in there, and so that when something when when you hit a specific breakpoint, rather than stopping your application, it'll actually just make a comment into your log and then. It's a helpful tool for trying to figure things out. And oh, yeah, that's incredible. Loading order, yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. Especially for things where the timing is important. So yeah. just stopping at a breakpoint stops the, the timing issue that caused your bug in the first place. Right, yeah. You've ever seen that kind of thing. Uh, happens with asynchronous stuff sometimes. Yeah, so with yeah, this, very op- with the option in the, in the image here of the automatic continue after evaluating breakpoints. So in the action, you can say, uh, I forget what it is, it's like log command or, or whatever it is like that. And you can put your own words in there. Sort of, okay, view did load, ran here. And then as you're going through the you know the loop of, uh, of what, what's happening in your app, like you're setting it to the background, you want to see what happens when you come back to the foreground, that kind of thing. Like It's a, helpful to illuminate to the students what's going on when, when they're working in your app. And it, of course, can help you in debugging in your app as well so it's kind of a useful thing i'll say another useful one is um i don't even remember what it's called it's like the auto layout trace so yes. if you have an ambiguous view it'll say oh here's everything that was being rendered and here's the one we decided to break in order to make it a valid layout right that right. one's useful to have in there too because nothing is more of a bummer than just watching your app explode because you forgot to do something silly with constraints mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting my pick is, again, with the iPad Pro. Here he goes again, right? So uh, one of the things that I was fascinated with, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, uh, was the a new class in iOS 9 called UI Touch, and the enumerated value is dot .stylus. And some of the new features you get from this, well, um, uh, Carolyn Begby from the RayWonderLake.com group has just produced, actually yesterday, a tutorial on Apple Pencil that goes through with an app. Um, and of course, it requires you to have an iPad Pro and a pencil. You can do some things with your finger. And she goes through all the different um, aspects of writing uh, an app, basically, with uh, using the, the iPad Pencil and taking advantage of the, the increased scan rates, uh, how much force you can apply, and how to measure that force, how to improve uh, accuracy of the stroke using the pr- predictive uh, stroking stuff that and the extra um, uh, 
touch points that the iPad Pro and the iPad Pencil in combination capture, as well as being able to use the pencil on its side. Because one of the things about the Apple Pencil, which I haven't got in my hand, so I haven't tried yet, but is apparently if you hold the pencil on an angle, it's very, it emulates uh, or can emulate the kind of experience you would get with an actual physical pencil where you get a different kind of stroke because you're using the side of the lead as opposed to the tip of the lead. So if you're interested in one, writing a drawing app is a good example of doing that, but also using the Apple Pencil and then a provi- a, applying or taking advantage and putting support for the Apple Pencil into your apps. It's a great little tutorial, runs you through a little bit of math and a little bit of geometry, but uh, but makes it quite, quite plain uh, to use Apple Pencil. And that's called uh, the Apple Pencil Tutorial Getting Started. Questions? Comments? Nothing? I'm just breezing through this briefly and it is interesting so i do like the uh, the graphics that are included mm-hmm. to help me understand like what uh, the apple pencil considers to be altitude versus azimuth right and that's i think that's exactly what you were talking about right now right so using yeah. a, an azimuth value to sort of give that that edge and i think they're drawing like a heart or something yeah and you can see how the the hump part of the heart is very thick as you mentioned it's like a pencil is on its side and then the very pointy part is very crisp and thin, as if the pencil had been lifted back up and was pointing, you know, nearly perpendicular to the surface. Right, and the amount of force uh, applied affects the width of the stroke as well. And then, as when she gets down to the part where playing with opacity, you know, if you got the pencil on its side, so it's in that shading mode, and you apply more force, then the combination of the force and the um, the, the angle allows you to do sort of different shading. This is very similar to, I can't wait to get my pencil because this is very similar to natural drawing where you, that's how you, how you hold the pencil isn't, you know, how you, you hold a pencil when you're writing. It's how you hold it when you're, you know, sketching and you're, you, ter- you learn in school to, to hold your pencil and your crayon or whatever it is you're working with pastels uh, in different positions to get different effects. Right. So, and it's it, typical of Apple if they've gone beyond just making a plastic stylus, if you will. Right. Um, by applying all this kind of uh, extra extra feedback that you can then you know put in your uh, users callbacks into your into your app right yeah i mean as we mentioned earlier i mean get some open source designs and this tutorial and boom you yeah. got a coloring book app cash in folks cash in <laughs> exactly well i mean like i've always wanted to make a drawing app for instance because that's sort of where where my background is right so cool stuff what about what about a uh a, an app for comic book writers with Mm -hmm. sort of a set of stock images and things like that you can pull in and write in you know build your comic book around that yeah did you ever have i was thinking about this as an app idea and um did you remember ever having like the sticker books where you had like a letter set sheet and you'd rub the stickers onto the the page to make your own little stories? Oh my god, yeah. Yep, I just yep. I was just talking about that last week with someone else. Well, cuz cuz uh, uh, Simon yeah. Pegg was talking. He did a, an article on his experience with Star Wars and he was talking about when he was a little kid cuz I think he's probably the same in your age range, Aaron. And he was talking about having like a Star Star Wars, you know, like a diet like a cantina scene yep. or, for instance like that and he would and have this letter set stuff and he would scrub off the little aliens and make his own little diorama if you will right um, i was actually yes. thinking about making an app to emulate that kind of experience you know because I, mm. I remember doing that kind of stuff when i was a kid as well right yeah like we we had all kinds of branded you know letter sets mm-hmm. and uh i can't remember what the name of it was like i i, I know the term letter set yeah but that's not what it was called it was like and i had superheroes um you know i'm just googling now action yeah. transfers is 
Well, in my old art portfolios downstairs, I was, we were digging around the basement a couple of months ago, and I, I found some actual real-life Letraset. Letraset was a branded you know, art piece that you would buy at art stores to do all the sort of glyphs and stuff like that. You can now get fonts to do, right? Yeah. Um, and Letraset was the company that made, like, character sets that you would then use to, you know, do your artwork or your, 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 um, your advertising pieces with, right? But, uh, yeah. yeah, this was a different, but a similar kind of thing where it was like rub on kind of tra- yeah, yeah, rub on yeah. transfer kind of deal. Yeah. Right? And you get like sheets, like you get a scene, you get sheets of like action heroes yeah, and you'd put them on to the scene, uh, by rubbing them on, uh, Super awesome. I, I had such a blast with those. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if you could combine that with like an iPad Pro and a pencil? And then, and yeah. then as you rub it off, it kind of – because remember, if you, if you didn't rub it off perfectly and you pulled it up too quickly, it would only get half the drawing where you yeah, you'd apply miss the an pressure arm. or whatever. Yeah. But then again, but there was also – I think there were other ones where you had bits of pieces, like you'd have a, a torso and arms and legs, and you could pose your, make your own poses as well, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that dog. Hmm. I heard a joke. I was, I was listening to a comedian today on TV. Uh, when I took a break this afternoon, and he was talking about you know the difference between third world countries and first world countries. In third world countries, the kids are outside playing, mm-hmm. and in in our in first world countries, they're all in the house. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> playing on their iPads. That is true. <laughs> Sad but true. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a walk down memory lane there. Yeah, it sure was. All right. Let's button her up, Tim. All right. Uh, so, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the Twitter machine, at Aaron Vay. And Jaime, if people were finding you on the internet? Also on Twitter, at Dev with a Hair. And Mark? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. And I am Timmy, T- uh, Timitra on... Timmy. Timmy Tim. I'm Timitra, the Twitter machine, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and I'm at my website, it-guy.com. And like that. So I guess we'll see you guys next week. And until then, adieu. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. Hey, if you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you could also write a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. And if you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button now. I'll wait. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. Uh, as yeah, much as I, there were a lot of players in the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, but I, I am cognizant of the fact that, like, they, I, I can see why they felt they needed that, right? Like, it needed to feel like Star Wars, and I think in some cases they went a little too literal with that in making it yeah. Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah. Um, but I think they needed something to sort of cleanse the palate for people out of after the prequels, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, like. Yeah. But it, it, like, it, it, Kylo Ren is like a much more convincing Anakin Skywalker than Anakin Skywalker. Oh was. yeah, no, she was good. Actually, she was the high point of the. No, movie, he's though. Kylo Ren's a bad guy. Oh, Ray, I'm talking about. Yeah.
Oh, which one? Who are you talking? Yo, you talk about the guy who uh, looks, the guy who looks like like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Scrooge McDuck, right? Like he's he's a a much more convincing portrayal of what Anakin should have been, right? Like so, forget wasting time with Episode One and like, oh look, he's a cute little kid. It's like no, 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 that it, we don't need none of that. Just show him as like a teenager, roughly kind of guy who's kind of an ass, kind of wants you know, yeah. feels like life is not quite working his way. Definitely related to Luke because he whines all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and I think this guy does like a. a I think this character does a much better job of portraying what that that could have been right yeah but you know there there were issues with him too and and i'll tell you i'll tell you one in particular when the movie starts we're meant to think he's a total badass yeah right yeah he's he's doing stuff like he's stopping blaster shots with with the force yep and that was not the character of the second half of the movie i mean the the character in the second half of the movie Hmm. lost a lost a uh uh a lightsaber battle to a guy who'd never ever picked up a lightsaber <laughs> ever, and didn't have any uh, midochlorians, whatever the hell they're called, yeah, midochlorians. He yeah, was yeah. the force guy. Yeah, right. How does that happen? Yeah, I know he was injured by, by, uh, by uh, Chewbacca. By Chewie's yeah, crossbow bolt or whatever yeah. it was. I yeah. know. Yeah, I know. But you know, why didn't he just do one of his you know power force shoves like he did with the with the blaster bolt and knock the guy off the off the cliff? Yeah, yeah. So I think with a so thematically, I think what they were going for, and I posted a, a link in here to um, TR Adar Trader character that everybody loves now. Like this is this is the Boba Fett of uh, of the new of the new trilogy. I think what they were going for thematically with Kylo Ren was the guy has a lot of talent, but he's also pretty much just a big bully, right? Yeah. Like there was nobody who could who could um, challenge him at all. So it's kind of like that that bully from uh, the movie Christmas Story that's like big and scares all the kids. Yeah, yeah. Until the little guy kicks his ass and it's like <laughs> revealed, like, oh wait, like he actually can't handle himself when somebody actually goes out and, sure. and shows himself, right? Yeah. Like I think there are some more practical things they did to show, um, like how it makes somewhat more sense, right? Like they went way out of their way to show that that Chewie's blaster bolt was going to be super powerful. Mm-hmm. Right, like they they did it multiple times, and I think they also showed that there's uh, combat training of some sort beyond just blasters for the um, the stormtroopers, mm. as exemplified by TR eight R. Right, who's got like a baton sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. It, but it's funny though that that you know it, it, Finn's character at the very beginning of the movie doesn't want to kill anybody. Well, I guess he didn't want to kill innocent people. Is that what you're? Because th- I mean, because he doesn't seem to have a problem killing people in the in, in near the end of the movie or firing yeah, off blasters right. and uh, later on in the movie, killing right? people that you know he grew up with and were yeah buddies. Like it's like me shooting you guys exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, screw you guys. I'm not with the I'm not with the android team, right? So right. <laughs> <laughs> What was the point of the character played by Brad of Tarth? If you if you get the reference, oh yeah, the oh, ca- Captain it, Plasma, yeah, Plasma. That is a huge loss. I think honestly, I think that character is only there to sell toys. Like I think she yeah. will be in subsequent movies, and I think her yeah. role will make more sense. In this movie, it could have been a completely random stormtrooper, and it would have worked just yeah, as well. Yeah, and she just totally gives up, like you know, and, and opens the doors or whatever yeah. she's supposed to do. But but you're right because because Jonathan was telling me that that Captain Plasma or Plasma Plasma or Plasma 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 she she apparently is a huge role in in the canon. Like again, it was a wasted character. I think other than other than to maybe you know have people on the on the red carpet kind of thing, right? So. 
Yeah, I think it was a, to- a toy thing. And I actually think the portrayal in the movie hurts the character because yeah. it would have worked better to not have her in here in this one, right? Yeah. yeah. Have it be yeah, some other captain who, who gives up the, the thing and have her come in as a badass is like, hey, I'm not like that chump. I would never have, have given up the, the secret to our, our shields yeah. and come in and kick some ass, right? Exactly. Like, I think it actually hurts the portrayal by having her in this character. And then she's got yeah. a fiduciary duty that she gave up by opening the doors. But, the, the, and Jonathan was pointing fiduciary out too, Dorky. there's another there's another character uh, that has like sort of a, a oriental hat and all, face all covered up. He's sort of a bounty hunter type character that you can buy a figure in the stores whose scene was cut from the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so and I think mind that I think he gets like he's, you see him for a split second when somebody just cuts him in half with a laser or something like that at one point. But but yeah, it's just it's again it, it, yeah. I question so, having gone back and seen the movie a second time and now paying attention to that character, I don't get it. You know. Yeah, and the funny thing about the character too is, except for the original cast, yeah, and the one who the, there's one sort of famous actress who was completely made into a muppet. Right, she was the one who, who uh, ran the uh, the cantina. Right. Oh yes, other than yes. Them, other than them, the the actress who plays Captain Phasma was was the was the most well known actor in the whole movie. Yeah, and, well, and she wore the armor the whole time. I didn't even know it was her until after the fact. Well, Oscar Isaac's Oscar Isaac's the guy who plays uh, Foe Poe Poe the the, yeah. the the um the the X wing fighter uh, the you know the best fighter in the rebellion whatever you called him. Yep. He's actually a well known actor too, right? So really, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was in, he was the the uh, the evil genius in um, the movie about the the AI robot. That he built. Anyway, he yeah. sort of he plays. A I, I don't know. Uh, the, the the actress I'm talking about is is like one of the main characters. Yeah, in Thrones, Game of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Gwyneth something or other. Yeah, Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn. Um, something like. That. Yeah. Do you guys know who the? Do you guys know? I, 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 this is not a spoiler for people who follow the the. Uh, by the way, I am recording right now, but the the. Um, recording this. Yeah, just this last part. Because um, you guys don't talk about on the podcast. <laughs> Well, it stop, was kind of a recording for a second. <laughs> well, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. I want to ask you this one question just before. So the guy, the stormtrooper who uh, is in the when Ray's in, in chains, right, or she's tied up, and she says, "You will release me and open the door and, and leave with the door open." Do yeah. you know who the who played the stormtrooper in that scene? No, uh, it's Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Oh, it was yeah, yeah James, it was James Bond. Bond. It was a, oh, okay. it was a cameo. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, he's a he's a big actor too. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.